welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. My name is Alex Gore. I'm your host today. I'm here with C. Ray, and he's a product specialist for Factor AE, part of the design, sales, onboarding, support for Factor AE, which was created to provide architecture and engineering firms a simpler way to manage their projects, time, and invoicing. Welcome Inside the Firm. Well, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself that's relevant to how you got to this position and what you're doing at Factor. Yeah, well, I've been, uh, I spent a little over a decade working in an entrepreneurial startup business. Um, it was custom software development. Uh, and over my time there, we worked with a ton of architecture and engineering firms. This was way, way back. Like, think like before cloud software was called cloud software. Like, you know, there were apps that existed. This is like pre-iPhone, but apps that existed that you only opened it on a web browser, but like that didn't even have a name. And uh, we built some software a long time ago for um, architecture and engineering firms. And um, we nurtured that software for a very, very long time. And then uh, just looking out at kind of the landscape of what's available to that market, um, Several years ago, we said, hey, let's get serious about this and develop a product. That product became Factor. Um, and so we've yeah, spent you know over a decade now kind of working with architecture and engineering firms and consultants that are often working with those firms, either on the um, finance side of things, accounting side of things, or um, you know consulting with them on project management and informing how our software works. And uh, eventually just decided, you know, I'm, I'm, all in on the architecture and engineering side, all in on the factor side of things. Um, so that's all I do now is, uh, you know, I work to inform a lot of the product design. I work with a lot of the customers that use factor for um, scheduling, project management, invoicing, um, and so forth uh, to look at their process and how they currently run their firms and say, hey, you know, is there a better way we could be doing this? Could we eliminate some communication loops? Could we streamline some process and ultimately give the people that you need to effectively run projects, the tools they need to do it um, in a simple way as possible. Cause there's a lot of software out there that can help you do it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of the firms I talk to are either using like a patchwork quilt of like a dozen different spreadsheets. And, you know, we've got scheduling software over here, some timekeeping software. We're using QuickBooks for accounting. It's this like mishmash of things. And no real like centralized, visible way for everybody to keep score the same way and be really effective at making projects profitable, uh, making clients really happy. And and also you spend so much time then in the software instead of like nobody, I don't I don't think, I mean, I didn't uh, join the, the companies that I joined because, you know, I wanted to be like using tools all day long. Um, I can't imagine that most architects got into architecture because they wanted to like be in their timekeeping or project management software all day. Like they wanted to design cool things. They want to be in Revit. Clients. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They want to be artists. You know, yeah. everybody wants to to do art. Well, um, where where are you located and where's Factor located? Factor is middle of America, Midwest company, hardly what you'd consider like the technology hub. So we're not on either coast. Um but it's allowed us to, um, you know, it doesn't really limit us, I guess. We work with companies 
all across the U.S. Uh, we've got a handful of firms that we work with in Hawaii. Um, still pulling for like a little trip out there to visit them. In yeah, person. I mean, come on. <laughs> you need to go face to face at least once to see them, you know, firm up those relationships. Absolutely. Film some uh, some case studies, some, you know, one on one uh, videos with them. That's what we need. I, I can see a lot of panning from computer to beach, beach exactly. to computer. Yeah. Coincidentally, I'm in both frames. So <laughs> <laughs> you just pop your head and make sure you get in there. Um, yeah. So we're in the Midwest. Uh, we are in Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana, actually. It's kind of northeast, and um, all of our staff is here kind of in uh, uh, within like an hour radius. So some of us work a little more remotely, but our office is downtown Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, that's yeah, that's home for us. Uh, we've got some folks that are just over the border in Ohio as well. Um, yeah. but, so yeah, you, but you all must our know... staff from sales to support right here. That's awesome. You must know Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk then. They're in that area. I can't you not... say that I do. I don't know. Oh, but, no. uh, hey, make an introduction. We'll make friends. No, someone people get that reference. Uh, they're sports sports podcasters. The sports oh my guys, gosh, man. You you've got like the one guy who would know absolutely zero people. Like you know, uh, hit me with somebody in Indiana that does like film podcasting <laughs> or music podcasting. <laughs> but yeah. I am sadly the wrong guy for sports podcasting. No, too funny. Say hey, some jokes don't work, and that was one of them. And we we learn and we move on from there. Um, so going back yeah, to, absolutely. to to factor. So there's like you said, there's yeah. a myriad of software solutions out there. What I find and what kind of helps me. And what I've noticed, and I could be wrong, and you could tell me this is not how Factor is set up in any way, but a lot of them start with a core idea or a main idea that they're focused around, whether it's, hey, we're great at Gantt charts, and that relates to this, or we're great at uh, financial planning, and we're good at the, and then we expand. Hey, we're great at timekeeping, and then we expand. So in, yeah. in Factor, is there a main controlling uh, idea um, as the kind of bread, meat and butter and, and cheese yeah. and mayo and mustard. This is going to sound well, like what's a calculated sidestep to all of that. Yeah. But for us, what we see is like the central issue with a lot of software that people try to run their firms with is the lack of interconnectedness there. I mean, you, everything kind of focuses around a project, right? That's like, that's the work you're doing for somebody. It's what you're invoicing. It's what you're tracking the time to, it's what you're scheduling against. So projects and project management is kind of the hub. But so often, I think, not just in terms of the software that firms use, but the ways that firms operate from a staff standpoint, like how their departments are even broken up. There's this really weird disconnect between like, here's the finance team or here's the accounting team. They're setting up projects. They know what the budget is at the beginning. They hand that off once a contract gets signed to project managers who are tasked with making successful projects um, that's successful in terms of you know things getting delivered on time and on budget, in terms of that being done in a profitable and efficient way, and so on and so forth. So they're doing that with a totally different perspective, totally different tools, totally different than what they were handed. And then it loops back around at some point because it's time to invoice for all that work you're doing. And then it's back in the finance team's time. Like the number of firms I've talked to, doesn't matter what they're using, whether it's, you know, they're still using Vision, they're using a Jira, they're on what, like you name it, like all the the classic flagship tools that have existed forever and kind of set people's mindset about how this should work. There's these really weird disconnects. And what you find then is, you know, half of that 
equation, whether it's finance team, project management team, whatever, has a tool that they love, they're in it all day long. And maybe they don't love it, but I mean, it gets them where they need to go in terms of balancing the books and getting invoices out the door. And then the other half of the equation is living out of spreadsheets or a whole bunch of other life rafts they've created. They've gone out and signed up for monday.com or they're using team gantt or they're using one of those other tools that's great at like one particular thing because they feel that gap in the process and you get this really fractured kind of understanding of project health then you have the finance view of it you have the project management operational view of it and the two have a really tough time meshing and so it's funny when i talk to people in a firm i say like, like how how does your current process work how does your tool set work for you I get really mixed responses almost always because inevitably somebody's found something that works really, really well for them, but just isn't really working for the other folks in the firm. So you asked me what the deal is with factor, like what's our core focus. Our core focus is in the overlap is in the joining is in the connecting people, projects and invoicing. And by that, I mean, like so often you've got these things, you've got a budget for a project. You've got like a, an execution plan, whether that's your resource schedule, your timeline, your Gantt chart of the project. And then you've got the client schedule. It's their expectations, which is when am I going to get this stuff? What's it going to look like? What am I going to be invoiced? And those three things are just, they're operating totally independently until they can't anymore. And then there's an enormous amount of time spent of people scrambling around trying to figure out why they don't match up. So you'd like, our goal is to triangulate those things. So like create one consistent budget that's really, really detailed, like how much, how many dollars are in each phase, how much that goes to sub consultants versus our team versus expenses. And then when we go to create our, our execution plan and schedule resources, can I actually see as I schedule somebody's hours, like what it's doing to that budget? Am I already over budget just in the hours I've scheduled before we've even done the work or not? And then as the invoicing actually happens, like how is that backfilling? Like you can watch all these lines kind of plot at the same time. Like how am I tracking the budget as hours are actually getting logged? How is it getting spent? How does that correlate to my plan? As, as people are spending more hours than I scheduled them for, is my schedule in trouble now? And it's all these ways to basically put the information in these disparate areas together in one place. So, is it deep enough? Yeah, there you go. No, no, great. No, great explanation because I, I think that is an answer. Um, is it is it deep enough or are some of the tools that, because I get that you can make a budget. I get that you can make tasks for projects and I get that you can bill out on it and, and do time, uh, manage time. And I'm all, I only have one example. Maybe you'll have more examples to build on my, my ignorance here um, or just la lack of finding other examples where let's say I'm going to, uh, I have a project, I'm going to assign it to uh, person A and person B. Does, does person A and B, is it like, oh, I've assigned 400 hours over the next four months to person A and, and person B has 12 hours. Like, does it, does, is there something like that in there? Are there other examples where it's like, oh, this is, you could give that kind of like connects the circle. Yeah. I think, I'll answer it a couple of ways. I did project management for a lot of years and I hear people that recognize the reality of doing projects and say like, it doesn't matter if I have a plan every week, something is going to happen. If not daily, something is going to happen that breaks the plan. I get that, but I don't think it's a case for not having a baseline to start with. 
I also get people that say like, hey, I don't care if things are changing all the time. We need to stick to the overall plan. And as soon as we're sideways, like we have to, we have to find a way to like never change the plan. Like flexibility is bad. Changing the plan is bad. And that view is sort of going by the wayside, but I still run into it sometimes. I think the balance, like so many things, is somewhere in the middle. I think factor makes it really easy to set baselines really fast and say, yeah, I've got X number of hours for a particular role assigned to this phase of the project. But most of the actual planning breaks down to the week level. So when you're resource scheduling, you're just saying like, how many hours does this person need to work in this week? And as soon as I put in those hours, whether I'm doing that, looking at it, you know, one project and I'm scheduling the people on that, or you can sort of flip it and see like, let's see all the hours for a project and um, for a particular person, whichever way you're looking at it, you can also see the budget getting updated. And again, this is back to that idea of like, this isn't a, you know, accounting's looking at it one way, project management's looking at it another way, and then the team sees nothing because that's so often the case. Instead, all of this information informs every member of the team. So if your office manager, your, your accounting team, your billing manager, whoever it is puts in the budget and the project manager scheduling, they can see like, how am I sort of filling the projected budget as I schedule these hours? Whether I'm doing that weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or whether I'm trying to schedule my whole project out and then just watching for the the collisions that happen. And then as people actually log the time, they can also see like, am I logging the time that was expected? Am I pushing us over budget? Am I even just logging more hours this week than I was expected to? So whether you want to look at it micro or macro, our toughest challenge is not getting the visibility to people. Our toughest challenge is going deep enough on certain things like budgeting and resource scheduling while still trying to keep a system that's relatively simple and easy to onboard people to and get them into very quickly. Yeah. Is your time tracking, is it <clears throat> the person puts in and logs the hours, okay, today I worked four hours here, two hours here, or whatever, or is it literally uh, there's some sort of button app, whatever, where, oh, I'm working on this project right now under this phase, press play, you know, keep hours, then press pause, you know, oh, okay, I'm moving on to another project. Wh which way is it in factor? Um, I see so many uh, systems that try to do both. Ours is like a, you can put it in as you do it, or you can come in at the end of the day, or, and we don't encourage this, this is a conversation I'm having all the time with firms, or you can, you can put it all in at the end of the week if you really need to. Um, but I don't, I don't mean how like you a, do it. I don't mean stopwatch. Yes. Uh, we don't, we don't take the stopwatch approach. We've had a lot of people ask us about it, but to date, uh, especially because I don't know, two different philosophies on this. One is let team members log the hours that they log and then we'll fix it later. You know, when we realize that we're over budget, we'll move hours around and shift things around, or maybe it matters less because you're billing everything fixed fee or in lump sum. So you're just going to bill what you're going to bill anyway, but we want people to be conscientiously entering time and not just hitting the record button and going until they're done. We want people to do, to start work with visibility into what's been planned so that everybody shares a little bit of responsibility for maintaining that budget. And it doesn't just fall to the, the project manager at the end of the day or the office manager to fix it before the invoice goes out the door. Well, I, I think you can do, do both. And maybe this is on a development list. Maybe it's just a suggestion that you 
either implement or throw in the trash, but you can definitely set up like, oh, this phase of the project is 20 hours and um, it has an architect role and fee and it has a drafter fee, right? 10 yeah. hours here, 10 hours here, right? And then <clears throat> what I really like and, and, and advocate just in this frank talk is, oh, when someone is, instead of them saying, hey, I'm going to work, you know, for from eight to 10 on this project and then it comes at 10 and they do something else and then they put in two hours. Well, no, hit, hit the play button on that project and you're working on it. And then all of a sudden someone calls you and you realize there's a fire. So you hit pause and you don't realize that you spent 45 minutes on that. And then you went back in the last 15 minutes. And then you said you did two hours on this project instead of an hour. And, and I, I'm saying that because when that gets multiplied by a month of a project, two months, four months of a project, like you could be wildly inaccurate. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. No, it's definitely in our uh, backlog and our feature request list. It's one of those things that in comparison with some of the other things we've worked on, it just hasn't hit the top of the list yet. Um, but again, I've worked in professional services for almost 15 years now. And I have seen whether you're a graphic designer, whether you're a software developer, whether you're an architect, whether you're an engineer, there is value to those minutes and understanding, you know, from a personal accounting standpoint and from a firm accounting standpoint, understanding like, where do we really lose time? Where do we lose billable hours? And what are the things? I mean, I think having the data is one thing, knowing what action to take with it is another. And so I think for us, we are always trying to look at with every feature and factor, what is the, um, what's kind of the education point behind it? Not that we consider ourselves like the great educators of professional services or architecture mm -hmm. firms, but for everything that we have in our system, it's not just there because somebody said, this would really be nice, or this would save me a few minutes. It really does have to have some kind of anchor point behind um, how does this make projects more profitable? How does this streamline communication in the firm? So I think there's a great case to be made for the stopwatch feature um, yep. and helping people do that. It's definitely going to get done at some point, but uh, I'm, I get more excited about being able to do the videos and do the webinars and be able to talk to firms and say, Hey, the reason you do this is not just like to save somebody time and entering their, their timesheet at the end of the week. Cause that's what I, a lot of people ask us for. It's more about, so you can start to consistently see like, Oh, we always have fires because of X. We always divert ourselves because of X. What can we do to start eliminating X? Or we yeah, have but, issues but, but of overbilling. But but that 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 explanation from your side isn't the explanation of why they want to do it or why that other thing's helpful. That's like a side, that's a side issue because the issue with, with the timer is, you know, you get a phone call all of a sudden you just hit pause, you know who that project is. And a phone call is one of many examples. Your boss could call someone from another project could say, I need help. And then you literally you. just yeah. switch it. You literally just switch it from this project to this project. And then in two hours, four hours, eight hours, the end of the day, you don't have to remember like, okay, from what time to what time that's, that's it. Not, not yeah. the, the, I get what you're saying on the other thing. I, I just feel like you're speaking you, to some people. You might be speaking past their, their issue of why they want it. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's helpful. Yeah. At the end of the day, we, all of our feature development too, is informed by these kinds of conversations and usually with yeah. the firms that we're speaking with, but they have great input, not only into what we prioritize, but once we start designing a new feature, it's always tested out with 
I mean, from like static design before it's even a working thing and it's early concept, everything goes through that testing with our, our customers. So yeah, again, That's, it, yeah. It, it's in that backlog. It'll go through that whole process at some point in time, but, uh, but you know, there's so many other things to tackle between now and then, uh, and again, sure. and things that are frankly, you know, have as much or more impact on profitability, which is where we're focused. Absolutely. One thing that I thought was unique is your focus on A&E. Is that just, uh, because like you said, how do you get into these nuances unless you have some sort of sort of group? Yeah. Is is factor bigger than that? And, and is this just a subgroup or is it like you are really focused just on A&E? It is only A&E, um, which you can see, I mean, down to the way our project templates are set up, the workflows and how you break down a budget and how you allocate dollars for subconsultants. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so much, uh, I hear a lot of people say like, well, professional services is the same. It doesn't matter what you're designing. It doesn't matter what you're building. That is not <laughs> the case. I can tell you, I've worked with a lot of different types of companies doing software consulting. And when I really honed in on architecture and engineering firms, even there, there are differences, but at least you're kind of in the same space yeah. and people are using the same language. And it's not just a terminology thing. Again, it is so much the workflow of how do you process bidding a project to really breaking it down to setting up a plan that's really going to make you profitable. There are some overlaps with other professional services, but at the end of the day, there's nuances about doing architecture work and doing engineering work, whether you're doing that under another architecture firm or however you're accomplishing that, that is really unique and the things you need to understand about your business, the KPIs you need to track. Again, those things that you need to overlap from scheduling to budgeting to even just how you track AR and things like that um, is different in this business than it is in many, many others. I agree 100%. And, and, and that's why I was so happy to have you on is that form fit with, with this industry. Um, what do you tell people when they ask, hey, let's say they're a little bit new or, or, or just getting into the nitty gritty of um, tracking all this stuff? What, what KPIs do you suggest they start with? Yeah, usually uh, I do like a quick checklist with people just to kind of understand what things they are currently focusing on. And this, this, the answers I get back vary so wildly between whether I'm talking to a sole proprietor, which I might be, or a, you know, 75 person firm, 150 person firm. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of variance in um, maturity and, and some things, honestly, that you just don't need to worry about too much when you're a five person firm. I mean, you're trying to set the good habits, but you know, you don't need to worry about that till you're 50. Um, what I'm typically telling people to watch is, um, uh, realize revenue for different employees. That's an important one. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to gloss over like the basics no, of like, yeah. can you project revenue out the next 12 months and know from your schedules and your budgets, what you're supposed to get, but, um, are your employees kind of tracking to their expected utilization rates? That's really important. Um, that's one metric again, just looking at your resources on your projects. Are you scheduling your team to actually hit what you're projected to earn on the schedule? So like, you can have a project schedule that's dates on the calendar for your phases, but then have you actually told your team to do work that's going to actually help you realize that revenue? And again, you've got a little bit more of a fuzz factor there when it comes to fixed fee work, maybe, but especially if you've got hourly work and you've got certain amounts you're hoping to bill um, on the engineering side, it's a lot more common. 
Um, so realize revenue, I'm going to cheat real quick and just look at the dashboard and factor because we dump all no, the stuff in front of the firm. I like that. It, but, it does um, depend on what kind of firm, how big you are and what you're doing, you know, and your particularities. Yeah. Achieved multiplier is a big one. Um, mm -hmm. Being able to also see your daily revenue for your employees and being able to look at that in two ways. Like what's our daily revenue for all of our employees? And then if I just focus on our direct employees, the people that are actually generating revenue from client work, what's our daily revenue look like? Um, you know, I mentioned kind of act, my, our actual revenue earnings versus our capacity for earning, mm -hmm. being able to project that out. So there's a few different ways that we try to get that in front of people. There's a firm level version of that that's more owner principal level visibility. But then we also try to give that to people just on a project by project basis. So even a project manager that's got a portfolio of, you know, three or half a dozen projects, you know, kind of a junior project manager can already start to kind of embrace the concept and say, okay, I've got this project. It's got a budget of X spread out over so many months. You know, if I just look at the line of like when I should be earning based on my phase schedule, this is when we should be earning certain amounts of revenue. Now, if I look at the line chasing it, that's like what I've planned for my resources, am I even on, close to on track? Okay, and then we're three months into it. The team's been logging time. Our vendors are sending in their invoices. We're tracking expenses. Like, are we following the plan or not? And the second that the lines start to come disaligned, there's a great training moment then for that junior project manager to say, okay, when this line goes above this one, here's the action we take. Or maybe there's not action yet, but here's the conversation that we have at our next project manager meeting. And it becomes very consistent. I think whether you're a five-person, 50-person, 500-person firm, inconsistency in project management is the killer. I mean, it mm. is, if everybody's not keeping track the same way, and like anything, it's like, it's within reason. Like every client's a little different. Every project's a little different. Every project manager should be given license to invent and experiment and try new things. But there's also some tried and true things about this industry that work and change, but change slowly and, and rarely. And if you can instill a consistent way that everybody tracks budget, you tell them like everybody's looking at these same five important numbers about their projects. And when we come to a project status meeting, it keeps you know somebody from raising an alarm that's not really an alarm to anybody more experienced. And it also keeps people from burying things they don't realize are problems because you know, they just haven't been told or they don't realize, Hey, anybody else on the team could tell you that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, I mean, we could go way deep in, in, into that. Um, what is your pricing structure? How does that work? It's just, it's simple, like Netflix style, you pay per seat kind of a thing. Um, cool. we don't have like, uh, you know, there's, you get price breaks. If you're a larger firm, you're paying yeah, for lots sure. and lots of seats, but yeah, it's just a per user thing. Um, you also get a price break if you pay by the year instead of the month, you know, simple stuff yep. like that, but it's just a subscription model. Um, we do approach onboarding a lot differently than a lot of other software packages out there because we work with a niche industry and because the people on the team that are onboarding are like myself, like they understand not just the software that we're selling, but we understand why it fits the needs of this particular industry. We take a lot more hands-on approach to onboarding people. We don't just sign you up for the software, give you a login and say, here's a whole bag full of tools. Hope you can figure out how to use them. Yeah. Um, we start by doing a few sessions where we do things like let's map out 
your invoicing process. Let's map out your project management process. Let's look for those communication loops that I know that we can, you know, eliminate. And that way we can come back to firms a few months after they're using Factor. Their whole team's logging time. They're doing project schedules. They're invoicing. And we can go back to and say like, okay, remember you were doing it this way. Now you're doing it this way. Let's talk about what's changed because we want to see real measurable benefits to the customers that we're serving. We want to see them spending more time on the work they actually want to do, um, not pulling up this spreadsheet and that spreadsheet and that spreadsheet to try to tell the story of what's happening on their project. Awesome. I love it. I think it's great. Um, we we have to do this again. Maybe we'll we'll do it uh, in, in a year just to catch back up. If anyone is interested, where should they go to reach out and to start the conversation with you? Yeah, go to factorapp.com, F-A-C-T-O-R-A-P-P.com. You can sign up for a free trial for 30 days or just request a demo and somebody can walk you through the software, talk a little bit about your firm. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn. You can also find us at AIA 23 um, here in a few weeks. Uh, we'll be there. So come find us on the floor if you're going to be at AIA. And uh, yeah, you can, uh, I don't know, any other social, you can find us there. But factorapp.com, that's the focus point. Get there. If you see C. Ray there, tell him you heard him from inside the firm and he'll give you a free high five. I guarantee Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Th thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you.